0: Ho oh, ho, cheeky monkeys, get on with it.
1: <laughs> toppy, toppy, toppy. It's it's magnificent. Hello, job. Up and down.
2: Bye bye. Be the ambitious. Come on.
1: Hello and welcome to a Bergkamp Wonderland, the FA Cup winning Arsenal podcast. I'll I get that in quickly, just in case anyone forgot that Arsenal are the FA Cup winners of 2020. This year has been, yeah, it's been one of those years. However, you know, good things come to those who wait and a good thing has come to us. First and foremost, I must introduce people who are with me today. Uh, we have the delightful and delectable... Mickey, how are you, Mickey?
2: All right, calm, mate. Hey, getting old. Not FA too bad. Cup,
1: 2020.
2: It's oh. good season. Did we win that? Yeah, we won. Oh. The history books will show this year was a fantastic year for the Arsenal.
1: No one mentioned that. We must mention that uh during the podcast that Arsenal won the FA Cup. Also, we have the man who is always here and he's been with the ladies today because he has a kiss on his forehead. We have Danny mm. the GFP. Hello, Daniel. <laughs> Aye, aye, Carl. Um, <clears throat>
0: your camera is misbehaving again. It's censoring you, so the ladies can't see you in HD quality. We have this, Ian Ian Lee has this problem on his show all the time. It keeps focusing in and out, and he has to get, there you go. He has to get going. He tries to show something to the screen, and he goes, Calf, calf, hide your face, and she has to go down and hide her face so that otherwise it won't focus in. I'm very good. Thank you very much for hosting, because I made no notes, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. How are
1: well, you? I'm not too bad. I'm happy. What happened? Because- Apparently on Saturday, well, I was working on Saturday, but apparently there was this program on the BBC uh, around about I don't know half or quarter to five, uh, where twenty two men entered a a big field up in the northwest of uh, London, and they had a a round object where they kicked about for ninety oh no a hundred and odd minutes. And after that, a team in red and white lifted a well lift dropped, then lifted a silver trophy.
0: Excellent. And when was the last time a team in white won that thing? <laughs>
1: I wasn't alive, put it that way. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. It Twenty-eight good. games. Twenty-eight games he's won a cup. <laughs> oh no, it's, it's good. Um we'll crack on. So Arsenal won the FA Cup. At the beginning of the season, when we had Emre, Danny could you see us lifting the trophy at how things have gone? like right at the beginning of August, oh, almost a year today? Yeah. The only thing Did you I think could, that we were going to win the trophy? The only
0: thing I could see us lifting was this time next year, possibly lifting the, the, the English Championship trophy because uh, I reckon we would have been close to relegation because we were abysmal. A couple of decent games. Occasionally we thought, oh, he knows what he's doing here and then it would move on to, actually he's got no idea what he's doing. Then it would move on to this bloke is actually afraid of doing anything in case he loses. And, uh, yeah, there's thunder saying that's lipstick on my head. It is. It's shan's She's back, by the way, like a rash. Uh, I had absolutely no confidence in him. You could see he had no confidence in him. Um, all of the fans had no confidence, the players, the owners, everything. No one had any confidence in him. And we thought, here we go, this is going to be a 1994-95 season again, where we're in the bottom half of the league and it's going to be an absolute disaster. All of our best players were going to, going to leave. Um, Xhaka and Mustafi couldn't play to save their lives. Aubameyang was going, Lacazette was going, Ozil wasn't really doing anything and this was going on and on and we thought, what are we going to do in the summer? Who are we going to sign? Our best players want to go and the decent players aren't going to want to come to us. But that all kind of changed, didn't it?
1: It did. I mean, we'll talk about the game, and then we'll talk about the season as a whole. Nikki, uh, the starting lineup. Did you see any surprises in the starting lineup?
2: Not really. It was very similar to the other than um, Mustafi, who obviously had a hamstring injury. It's pretty much the same starting lineup as that. So I'd have probably gone for
1: that. Uh, did you? I don't know if you are really talking in note of the Chelsea lineup. I mean. I think it's very unusual for them to play Pulisic and Mount together. Did that worry you at all?
2: Not really. I mean, I have to be honest, I haven't watched Chelsea as much recently this year because, similar to us, they've been like really up and down, like inconsistent. I mean, towards the end of the season, they're sort of kicked into gear. But I don't know. I think like they've played three at the back so they can play Pulisic and Mount up front. But... In the end, I don't suppose it really mattered because one of them got off injured and one of them was in Rob Holden's pocket the whole game.
1: Oh, this is very, very true. Uh, Danny, we didn't have the the best of starts, did we? I mean, uh, Pulisic scored after six minutes. Um, when, I mean, I give Chelsea their credit, it was actually quite a good move, to be honest. Um, and then... That French lamppost uh, does what he does best, does his little flicks. And uh, it was quite a good uh, back kill back to Pulisic. Were you worried at all after six minutes when they uh, they scored?
0: No, I wasn't at all. Because like you were just saying with the tactics thing, Chelsea have two ways of playing. One, hoof it down to Giroud. Two, play better football and pass it through to Pulisic. So like when you were saying, seeing Pulisic, Giroud and Mount all playing at the same time, I thought they've adapted their tactics to take us on because they know we are going to get the ball and we're going to one way or another to get it down. And when you've got Pepe and Young running at you, I mean, we know FIFA isn't real life, Carl, but wow, you are going to shit the bed when you see those two, because Lacazette drops a little bit deeper and you've got those two running at you. And I don't care who you've got in defense, you're not, you're not going to be able to beat them. And so with that, I, I was fully 100% confident all the way through that we were going to beat them. Cause I thought, this is going to take a while, and the the Giroud bit, the uh, that was in slow motion in my head as he's going ooh la la, and he gives it a little a uh, little French kiss backwards. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, bellowing horrendously out of position. The back three had gone from maybe arms length from each other; they were almost holding hands. Our back three, and then, th- then bellowing out of position, and then he went left, and then he put it in, and then Giroud, and then Pulisic, and you thought, okay. Arteta is we've got so much confidence in the manager I expect Arteta matrix style to freeze time move around all the players where they need to go look at how the Chelsea players are move them all around again and keep doing that until he finds like a Rubik's cube Carl Arteta Rubik's cube to the tactics and I knew he'd get it and I was right at no point during that game for not one blink of an eye did I think we're not going to win this how about you
1: I have my worries, but I think it's the age old thing where I did think they scored too early. I think because they would have known that Arsenal were being relentless in attacking them. I think once you have a a 1-0 lead in six minutes, you just know that in your mind, you kind of do think, okay, we're winning now. We can kind of sit back a little bit, and it's ingrained in humans that that people will just think, "Okay, we can try and see this out." You can't see out a game after six minutes; it's actually impossible. And as Chelsea shown, you can't, you can't do that. And I don't, I, I kind of don't think they, they sat back because they had a few uh, attacks on us, but I think after the drinks break and Arteta does love a drinks break, doesn't he? Cause you just see how animated he gets. And I absolutely love it. Um, I know people don't like it. I know a lot of commentators don't like it because they're trying to say that it's into, like it's getting to like the American sports where the game split up into quarters, but I like it. I really do. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think there's nothing wrong with a, was it like a minute or two minutes drinks break, uh take on some fluids, adjust the tactics, and then you back on straight on it. And I think it done well for us because after the drinks break within what? Um with a minute, I think it was, Pepe scored an absolutely well, he had a, a brilliant shot, which was top corner, absolutely brilliant. But unfortunately, uh Maitland Niles was offside, I believe. Uh Nikki, when that went in I'm assuming you were like me and you jumped out of your seat.
2: No, because I saw the linesman put his flag up. Oh, fuck you then.
1: Um, (laughs) um, When that goal went in, I was at work at the time and I jumped up up from my desk because I thought it was an absolute rocket. But just like you, I did. My eye was right at the bottom of the screen. I saw the linesman and I was like, oh, for God's sake. But it was a really good shot, don't you think? Yeah, I mean,
2: he, I'm more happy that Pepe's been a bit up and down this year and he seems to be starting to come in his own. And I think next year, I mean, he's very similar to how Perez was in his first season. So hopefully next year, he ain't going to be one of these people that come in as a one-season wonder. And then second season syndrome, you know, just died. Death. A bit like Torreira has done, you know, in his second year, sort of died, died off a little bit. So, yeah, ho- hopefully he really kicks on next year. He knows what to expect for the league. Hope You know, he's not going to get – hopefully he's not going to get another three-month extended break like everyone's had. But, you know, I was happy with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Pepe is – I mean, we'll talk about the players, the whole team as a whole later on. But I think Pepe, towards the end of the season, is kind of showing – the reason why we bought him. I mean, when you come in with a 72 million price tag, everyone thinks that the player is going to score 100 goals in the first 10 months of this or the first month of the season because he's 72 million. I mean, he's coming from a a league, and I'm sorry, Chris Carpenter, which is a slower pace than our league. I'm not going to call it a farmer's league. I'm not going to to do that. (laughs) But it's a slower pace. and And, you know, let's be very honest. The players aren't as maybe they may be a bit technical, better, technically better than us, but they're not as, uh, I would say, not as physical as us. And our league, the Premier League is a very physical league and I don't think Pepe is used to, you know, having people barge him off the ball when they're not having a foul or things like that. And it's not always a foul. Sometimes it is a good shoulder barge and I don't think in the French league they sort of have that. I think it's kind of, you touch someone and they go down. Um, so physically, he had to get used to it, but... Towards the end of the season, after the um, after the COVID break, I think that he's kind of shown, he's, he's coming into form. And I think after we have the, you know, what is it? We're going to have a month off now. And then the league's going to start in September. I think hopefully he'll come in and hit the ground running, uh, which is brilliant. But Danny, in the 26th minute, a ball went up towards Young. Uh, he broke into the box, and that stupid, stupid—I don't know why Chelsea are still got him to be honest. Like, I just think it's absolutely uh, ridiculous. But for uh, Quetta brought him down. Now, for me, I'm going to be honest with you, Danny. The penalty was a bit, Nye. and I say this because for me, the foul started outside the box. I mean, I don't care—it's a penalty for Arsenal. I'm happy, but I always look at things objectively. And if it was out, if it was Arsenal. I'd look at that and i think, no, the foul started outside the box, and therefore, should it have been a penalty? So the question is to you, Danny, should it have been a penalty, yes or no?
0: I think that's now that you're saying that, because when you see it in slow motion, it's almost as if he had got hold of Pepe's shirt, and Pepe went, no, nah. young shirt, and young has gone... I'm going to, if he doesn't let go of me by the time I get to the penalty area, this is a penalty. So I'm going to keep on running. I'm 100%. going. Beep, beep, like that. And then, I, as, as the letter was too stupid to let go and go, if I don't let go of him by the time he reaches the penalty area, that's a penalty. So I think it has to be. I mean, it's well played at Young, and as per Vettel, you're an idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I kind of agree with you. I think. If Russell Leclerc is smart, you start the foul outside and as soon as he gets into the box, you let go of him. Let go of him because therefore, the, he if it was a foul, the referee would have brought it back. But uh, Young, for me was like, right, I'm getting into this box, I'm getting into this box and as soon as I get in there, I'm going on the floor. Yes, I think it was uh, a, a very soft penalty, but I'll be honest with you, I do not care for the simple fact that <laughs> um, he was a penalty to Arsenal. I mean... Nicky, do you think it should have been a red card for Uh I've
2: heard a few people talking about that this week, and they're saying that, I don't know, because they keep muddling the waters and the rules, like this whole triple jeopardy thing, where if it, if it was outside the area and he pulled him back, he'd get sent off. But if it's inside the area, he won't send him off. But then I remember a few weeks ago, David Luiz got sent off for pretty much the identical thing, the old... You know, hand on the shoulder, which for some reason makes people's legs go numb and fall over. So, what's good for the goose, I suppose? If if they're going to give them against us, I'll have it, I'll take that so, sort of decision for us, especially in the cup final.
1: Oh, 100%. I, um, you know what? <laughs> give it to us all day and I'm happy. And Danny, what a penalty by uh, a Young. literally right in the side netting. Absolutely brilliant.
0: It was almost. I mean, the last time I saw someone sell a dummy that well, I was asked to leave mother care. That's how good a dummy that he sold. That age concern had a word of him at half time about that. I said, oh, come on, you're, you're taking a piss out of the old. That was, <laughs> it, was it was almost slight. it's like a magician's sleight of hand. Obama Young use sleight of feet. His foot, his foot sold him a liar. and he could see It's very rare that you will see a penalty where the it is so far in one corner, and the the goalkeeper dives the other way, and to do that in the FA Cup final, and we've seen when the pressure's on, the one against Spurs where um, Young missed that, and again, I I did not think for a second that he wasn't going to score it because it's Aubameyang and Aubameyang he is on scintillating form at the moment what's he ended up 27 goals this season um, and he's been the quickest player to any stats that you look at since he's joined Arsenal and been playing in the Premier League. He's the top of stats of goals scored for, for Arsenal, quickest to um, 50 goals for Arsenal in all the Premier League games. All the players that have uh, that have played since the day he made his debut for us. He's the top of all of that lot by quite some way. What, what, what was, your, how was your feeling when when he ran up for that penalty? Did you think? Yeah, he's got this sorted. I'm not worried at all. Were you, or, were you, or was your, your downstairs going 50p, 5p, 50p,
2: 5p? 100%. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm never uh, confident when any Arsenal player takes a penalty. I still go back to when uh, we had that penalty against Spurs in the last minute and Young missed. And I was livid, livid, absolutely livid. I've just never, I've never been confident uh, with penalties since... The 2000 uh, UEFA Cup final when Galatasaray beat us. Galatasaray? Galatasaray. Yeah. When um, 2000, the UEFA Cup final. Yeah, Galatasaray. <laughs> I, when we lost on penalties, <laughs> then I was. Uh, I remember watching that and not being happy. And ever since then, it's kind of like, oh, God, I hate penalty shootouts. But do you know what? I can't uh, fault Obama Young for that penalty today. Sorry, on Saturday it was um, a very good penalty. Very, very good. And I think after that, we kind of built a little momentum. I mean, Pepe had a penalty shot, but he gave a free kick just outside the box. Nikki, if you remember that, do you remember, do you think it was inside the box? I mean, obviously, ultimately, it wasn't. But uh, what did you think after that free kick or after that foul was given?
2: Yeah, I did. Well, because I was watching it on like my big TV. So I'm watching it at work like you. So I saw that was just outside the box. But I was hoping we might have done something with the free kick, but I think that's probably too, you know, too close to the box to actually get it up and down or down. I don't think we actually did anything with the free kick either, did we?
1: No, I mean, I think Lagazette took it, didn't it? And it went um, sort Good of light. high, wide, and
0: pantsome. They showed the replay of it, and from behind the goal, there was no need to do that. We know he missed. But we didn't need to know how far he missed it. By. <laughs> it makes you wonder why when you've got Pepe there, but I think Pepe does have two feet that he can do it with, and you've got Luis who likes it, and Obama Young is thinking. Why was Lacazette taking that? As he's uh, especially after Pepe came on and scored a couple of goals, a of free kicks in a European game. So it must have been what for it's it's top right hand corner that you're trying to put the ball into, wasn't it?
1: In yeah. The I never understood why he took it, it took it either. I would have gone for Pepe personally, but you know, it's neither here nor there. Um uh, that after that half time came, and then I what I think was a turning point in the game where I don't know what happened to Arsenal, but obviously, as they do, uh, the defence just opens up and says, you know what? Just come run at us. Just, here's the big, ob- wide, open space. Just run, run, run. And Pulisic, I think maybe he was running a bit too fast. Uh, tore his hamstring, well, yeah, definitely tore his hamstring and still managed to get the shot off, but went uh, very, very wide. Nicky, did you think that was a turning point when Pulisic went off?
2: Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, they were talking about him calling him Captain America and all that before the game. And I thought, oh, here we go. They're trying to make something happen of it. But, yeah, I mean, fair pay to bloke. got the shot away. But, I mean, before the game, they said he'd played every minute of every game for Chelsea since the lockdown. And I thought, oh, well, you know, we've rested Aubameyang for a couple of games. You know, we've had a few players, you know, on the bench and come on and stuff like that, and obviously we've had the reason we've had extra drink breaks and stuff like that is so you know they can have a breathe, and recuperate get some liquids in and and obviously with the five substitutes as well they know to play that many games that quickly after such a long you know three months off which is you know even longer most of the time than what we'd get in pre-season they can't get fully up you know to match fitness you know, things like that, because you could be as fit as you want in the gym on a treadmill and stuff like that. When you're actually out on the pitch, it's different ball game. A lot of people have said, you know, to get match fit and match up. And when he said that before the game that he's played every minute, I thought, you know... Then what? I don't want him to get injured. I don't want any of the opposition players to get injured. You know, well, not properly injured. Maybe a little <laughs> bit injured. Now you're going to justify your levels of injury. Man. Yeah, Depending well, on who they play you know, a hamstring, couple of weeks, pull the groin, that's fine. You know, if, they, if their knee's facing the wrong way and the bones are sticking out, I'm like, oh, you know, you wouldn't wish that on... You might wish that on some Spurs players, but no, we don't. We don't wish that on any player.
1: <laughs> I mean... I don't know. Uh, There are some players who absolutely (laughs) hate the word, but I wouldn't mind um, being out for a few years, but whatever. Um, And then, Danny. Danny, Danny, Danny. Obama Young, Abamayang, Abamayang. Do you know what my problem is with this goal? If Messi had scored this goal, which he kind of did against uh, Bayern Munich, uh, people were raving about this goal for ages and ages and ages. I don't want to put Messi in the same uh, speech as Aubameyang because I think Abamian is far much much better than Messi, mm. but that goal was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it?
0: Now I heard that Aubameyang was playing with one of their defenders at Saint Etienne when he was there. Is that right? It wasn't. It wouldn't be as pronounceable, It wouldn't be Rudiger. So, Zuma. was it? Kurt Zuma. It must have been Zuma. Yeah, he said
2: he well, knew Zuma from uh-huh. previously.
0: There you go. So what he said was, which I think is genius, he said – I'm just going to change the message on the screen. He said that when I was um, at St Etienne, we're going to take it, It was Zuma, he knew that I'm right foot and I'm always going to cut out on my right foot because that's my favourite foot. And then he said he was with me, he was there with me. He knew what I was going to do, so I put it in my left foot. And you're thinking – not only did you make that brilliant run, not only a fantastic read off of Bellowing – Doing a little bit of magic and then falling over. I think Belouin thought, "Oh, I'm going to get a free kick from this or something." When he was when he went down, uh, I think Belouin had his back to it, and Belouin must have been thinking, "Oh, I've got a free kick." You've what? You've gone left foot, round the goalie, underneath him, to the side of him, scored. I don't want that free kick. Absolutely magnificent. That shows why I have said all season that I don't want to get rid of Lacazette. I don't want to get rid of Aubameyang. And if we had to get rid of the one or two of them, as much as I love Lacazette and his wonderful beard and he's a he's a beautiful human being, now that we've got no Giroud, we need someone in the team who's good-looking with a nice beard. That's very important in modern football. Uh, but Young and people going, but well, he, he hasn't scored many goals lately. Look at the form that that man is and look how he's carried the side in the last few games of the season. And look at the form that Lacazette got back in that's why I want to keep both of them. But for for in a, again, the nerve to do that in an FA Cup final when this could be the goal that could win your team the FA Cup after having a, a disastrous half a season, that is the kind of stuff that goes down in, in Arsenal folklore. Not just getting the penalty, but the way he played and the way he controlled that. And, and just everything about that was just probably one of my favourite FA Cup final goals for
1: Arsenal. I think it was a thing of beauty. I, I really yeah. do. The fact the how he turned the defender... Chitter over him. I mean, like I said, if, if Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo had scored that goal, you would have been, every single football writer would have been going on and on about that goal. I think it was so underrated. Just because it's a premier, I think it was so cool. It was, I literally, I, I watched the replay. You know when you watch it in silence because you don't, you think to yourself, wow. That is a a very, very good goal. Still um, and
0: clapped at the same time. That's how good
1: it was. Yeah, it was just and the fact that Xhaka celebrated before the ball went into the net just made it even more brilliant. It was we need, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but we have to keep Abamiang. I think we have to. I think the man is you hear of some players being irreplaceable. And okay, do you know what there is no player that's irreplaceable, but he would be a very hard person to fill uh, his boots i think and how much
0: would it cost to get
1: so if we got rid of him to get someone of an equivalent um, ability. More than, much more than the 60 million that we pay for him that's for sure yeah um and right now which again we'll talk about later we don't have that sort of money um that i think we just sitting around to try and replace him so yeah um game went on uh, and then the red card for Kobovic. I'm going to be very honest with you. For me, not a red card. Oh, not a second yellow. Mm. Um, again, I put this on with my hat and I think to myself, had Granite Jaka made that challenge on another player, would I be sitting here thinking, you know what? Shit is what it is. No, I, I think... I mean, I don't give a fuck, I'll be honest with you, but I think Anthony Taylor got it wrong. I really, really do. Um, it wasn't even a foul, to be honest. Um, but, Mickey, what did you think of it?
2: I don't know what game you were watching, Carl. I think Xhaka could have been killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stole that from Fergie. But I don't know if he said something to Anthony Taylor, but I think that was his, sure I thought it was his sixth foul of the game. So there was one earlier foul he did before that, and I thought, oh, and you could see the referee sort of saying, "Don't, you know, stop this. You're going to not give me a choice to send, you know, don't make another foul." You and whether or not he said something to Taylor because they're not supposed to, but these refs, we've seen it before when our players have said something. To him, you're like, oh, he's not happy what you said there. He's he's out for your blood, and yeah, he booked him, but. I just flip it the other way. If this was one of our players, like a Xhaka or a David Louise, we wouldn't be sitting there saying, Oh, he you know, he hardly touched in, that's not worth a second yellow. I honestly believe we'd all all of us would be on there saying, What is he doing? Putting his foot in, giving the ch- the guy the chance to go down, you know, putting himself in the position, we would be having a go at our player. For even putting his leg anywhere near a foul. But, you know, it was a bit soft. And yeah, Jacques had kind of made a meal of it, maybe. I mean, I d- <laughs> yeah, he did make a meal of it, let's be honest I think he barely touched him, but I'll be honest. But we've been done like that before. We've all said, our oh, swings and roundabouts, bloody, bloody, blah. I our turn on the swings, mate. Get over it. Uh,
1: what agreed. I had the camera was it, fine yeah. until we
2: went live.
0: <laughs> I, <know. laughs> first. I did it as well when i leaned forward just for there being a pain in i say it's a good point nick that it was more if you look at it as an individual tackle it wasn't a yellow it was a telling off but when it was a an, an umpteenth tackle yet again and he'd been doing it the entire game eventually if that would have been arteta carl arteta would have said you are you coming off because i'm not gonna have you sent off mm.
2: So wasn't I that, mean, yeah. that what was that guy against Brighton who did like eight fouls against us and never even got a yellow card? It was uh, one of those. Yeah, it was one of the guys. He got he done committed eight fouls and never got a yellow card. So, mm. but I don't know the rules on you know accumulative fouls. Do you have to make a certain amount of fouls it, before you how get much a you yellow? Card? The off by not listening. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, let's be honest about it. Anthony Taylor. You know, that'd be easy to say something to him easily, it? but. But then I can't understand how he was refereeing this cup final when he refereed the last cup final against Chelsea. Sure, first, time, first time a referee's ever refereed two cup Twice. finals. I
0: didn't yeah. know that. I, thought, I just took yeah. it for granted that the referee's uh, yeah. doing it
2: many times. Plus, after he had his um, fallen out with Arsene before that cup final, I oh, thought yeah, he was going to have a go. And, I mean, he sent Victor Moses off in that game and then he sent another Chelsea player off in that game. So maybe he actually likes us.
1: No, he doesn't. Because do you no. remember, um, what is it, Arsenal versus Newcastle? Do you remember when Aaron Ramsey scored two? I think it was no, Aaron Ramsey scored and he disallowed the goal for some stupid reason, so it's a foul. I remember that game, and yeah, everyone was uh going mad about Anthony Taylor, so he doesn't really like us. I think it's swings and roundabouts. I mean, no referee likes Arsenal, do they? Let's be honest. Um, it's yeah, it's what it is. But you know what? Um, the game continued, and even when we went down to ten men, I still wasn't comfortable, and, and, I, and I say that um, because it's almost like we um, we invited pressure, and I don't know why. Like I just felt like they were coming at us for some unknown reason, and. We was just telling I think we were sitting back a bit too deep, whereas I think if we attacked them more, we would have kind of put them under pressure. I mean, there was no pressure really, but we as Arsenal, what we do we, we put ourselves under pressure um, mm. and then I think there's a whole load of substitutions, and then didn't um who got injured?.
0: As as asper got injured and then at the end Pedro got injured and Pedro Pulisic that's
1: injured. it Pedro, Pedro got Ten injured. Minutes wasn't it? He had oxygen. Yeah, that was. Um, I think I'm he broke
0: to his I'm gonna turn your camera off and then see if it. Uh... Is it gonna do that one? No, let's turn my camera off. <laughs> that's
1: not work, does it? I think yeah. he broke his collarbone, didn't he? Um... Is
0: that what he's done?
1: Fuck sure it, he he's, he's meant to be going to the thing is he's meant to be going to Roma, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so that move's obviously going to be, unless he signed the contract already, uh, are Roma really going to take someone that's, um, that is. Well, they've got him
0: and Mkhitaryan there now together, haven't they? So that's either going to work brilliantly or it's going to be an absolute nightmare. What's that? A tablet. I'm just trying to see Um... if. I don't know why it's doing. It's been a pain in the ass. Yes. I think you made a good point with the, uh, the way we were sitting back, because we saw against Liverpool and against Man City, if we sit back then um, and let them have the ball, we play brilliant football. And I was thinking, Chelsea were going, well, we don't want you to sit back. We, we, we don't want the ball either. And so and then they'd have an attack and then we'd have an attack. And then towards the end of the game, the number of times that we would get Martinez just hoofing the ball all the way down the field and they'd get it and they'd hoof it all the way back up again. It is very strange. I don't think I've seen that in football for, for any time that...
2: But I can remember. Can you, Nick? No, I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, really? On one of the podcasts I was listening to, maybe they were saying Martinez was trying to score a goal. He said, wouldn't it be nice if I was a goalkeeper that scored an FA Cup final goal? But it's just that Arsenal thing, that shrewd play of wasting time, you know, taking your time in throw-ins, walking it into the corner and stuff like that. That's why Arsenal support, we never feel easy when we're winning, I mean, we've been 4 0 up at half time, bossing a game and bottled it and end up losing or drawing 4 4 and stuff like that. We had a 3 3 as well at one point, yeah, 3 3. And I mean, what was it? Um, last season we were one 0 we down against Liverpool and went 3 1 up or something like that. And yeah, it's just yes, sometimes Liverpool.
0: Another nightmare one. That's like we
2: don't know that... I suppose it's a fine line between, you know, not going mad to score, but not inviting them on. That's the thing. Can you, you know, control the game without the ball as well as controlling the game with the ball? And we can't control the game without the ball. That's it. Maybe we'll get better without Arteta. But, you know, if we went 3-0 up, they're like all right, well, we'll just let them have the ball and we'll defend. No, we can't do that. We're, you know, we're not good because we just invite her on, but maybe we should just keep the ball all the time. Don't let <laughs> them have the ball. Oh, well,
0: like Venger ball, classic Vengeable, wasn't it, Carl? We used to keep mm. the ball for 50, 60 passes and go, Olay, Olay. And the other team would just get so angry with our dwarfs keeping the ball. They'd end up kicking
1: the shit out of us. Yeah. I remember them days, which is the ball and teams like that. Um, how did you fix the camera? What have you done? Lower the definition.
0: Oh, ah. oh yeah. Streamyard doesn't like at uh, 1080.
1: Uh, doesn't <laughs> I need to, uh, Yeah, oh, go <laughs> write that down. <laughs> I to anyway, and then after that, we won the car when when the whistle blew, Danny. What did you think? Like, what was your emotions when we won the Cup? I mean, when we, I was at work and I was ready to go home and I literally, I felt a sense of joy. I know we won the FA Cup and like before, but I was just thinking to myself, in our worst season since, that I can remember at least, and this is one of the worst seasons in my memory, uh, we still won a trophy I was just happy. I was happy for Arteta. In his first season, You know, he's had what, 20 games in charge? 28. And 28 games, and he's won a trophy. I was happy for the teams, especially for all the shit that we've been through this year. Just not just not Arsenal, the whole... I mean, everyone, you know, we're, we're living through a global pandemic right now, but I just thought that it's a combination of hard work. You know, we've had some really shit times this season, but... Didn't you just feel happy when we that whistle blew?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this. Remind me about my wonderful, cheeky tweet that I did earlier. I was thinking, when I first got into football in in the mid-1980s, probably about 83, 84, me and my mate Julian, he's a West Ham fan. And I remember being uh, coming home from school, and or on a Saturday, he'd, he'd come down, he'd have his two brothers with him, John Paul and Michael, one's a Liverpool fan and one's a Spurs fan. And I vaguely remember, um, match of the, no, not match of the day, Grandstand being on the TV and going, Oh, Liverpool are the top of the league again. Oh, Arsenal aren't doing very well. West Ham aren't doing very well. And that was my first memory of football, probably being about 13. And back then, the FA Cup was absolutely huge. If you won the FA Cup, that was... I mean, I've said for years I'd much rather win the FA Cup than win something like the Europa League Although the Europa League will get you Champions League football, so the FA Cup for me growing up was so important. It's a magical time, and although there was no fans and there was no in in the UK, you used to get uh, starting about ten o'clock in the morning. You'd have ITV or BBC. They'd have the cameras on the bus going to the, the ground, going to Wembley with the, with, the, with the players, and then you'd have like there was a. I always remember Daly Thompson, who I met, was a miserable shit, and um, played in the, the celebrity game before the game, a um, pro am celebrity. Uh, i met make him at Barnett and said, what team do you support um, Daily Been a, a fan of Daily Thompson's decathlon on the spectrum. He went, don't like football. And walked off with Glenn Oddle. You <laughs> shitbag. Um, so with it being so magnificent for me, and I've always really loved the FA Cup, and for us to have won it four times in the last six years, in what arguably would be, probably six of the worst years as an Arsenal fan when you take in the, into in consideration the Premier League era. It's, it's not one of the best times. And for us to win that other thought this is it's just absolutely fantastic because then that brings me on to the tweet that I did. I tweeted, Mikel Arteta, 28 games, one trophy. Mourinho at Spurs, 35 and none. Potuccino, 293, no trophies. Tim Sherwood, 28, no trophies uh villas boas 80 games no trophies harry redknapp 198 games no trophies um Yole, martin yo 149 games no trophies then someone won the league cup and then it goes santini and that was the, so the first thing i thought of reminded me of my childhood when the Affair cup was massive and the second thing i thought of i could do a tweet here that's going to annoy people and looking at the tweet at the moment it's had uh 802 likes, and I think that's 802 happy gooners. <laughs>
1: okay. I mean, Nikki, same to you when we, when the final whistle blew, and you knew that we'd won the FA Cup in, like us, arguably one of our worst seasons. Um, what was your feelings and emotions?
2: Well, I was happy because I remember when we um, did the first sort of podcast back before we restarted again, and we were all talking about, oh, we've got to try and get Champions League through the league and all that. And I actually said, I don't care about getting into the Champions League. Yeah, it's nice to earn a bit of money. Maybe it'll attract better players. I don't know. I said, I'd rather win the FA Cup than just get into the Champions League because when we get into the Champions League, we lose 5-1 to Bayern Munich twice and stuff like that. And our team is actually probably a little bit worse than then. So I don't want to just get in there for the sake of it. I w- I'd only want to go in the competition if I think we had a chance of winning it. You know what I mean? But, I always said, when when we look back in the history books, this year will be a successful year for Arsenal because we won a trophy. And we had nine years, and they blamed Arsenal and Arsenal for this whole fourth-place trophy thing. And they get criticised us for getting in top four every year because we didn't win anything, but then we now we're we're not in the top four, but we're winning things, and they're still criticising us. Can't so win. I don't know how we get off, you know, get away with that. But screw them; they ain't won a trophy, have they?
1: I mean, yeah. Do you know what? What made it even sweeter is the fact that Spurs have to play three qualifying games just to get into the UEFA uh, Europa Cup. I mean, I when I saw someone tweet that, I was absolutely ah, uh, it made my day even better. The fact they got to fly to some back end of God knows flipping where um, to to just to qualify. It was and their season had to start. Just that bit much earlier. I heard oh, they're so. back
2: pre-season on Monday, the eighth. I heard that that's when they're back for pre-season training. So they've had two weeks off.
1: Do you know what? I careless. I am absolutely ecstatic about that. I uh, it makes me it makes my heart warm because in our worst season, arguably this is our worst season. I mean, I I've been following Arsenal since I would say 94. 95, probably years when I started liking football, about 94, 95. And for me, this has been... I mean, when I like really took a, a, a caring and a liking for Arsenal, this has been the worst season. And the fact that our worst season, we still won a trophy. I mean, the fact that that lot like, up the road are celebrating the um, finishing the league above us, that's their trophy. Like For me, that just shows the, the size of the club. Um you know, it's it's for me. It's a combination of much hard work, and the season didn't start off the best. Um, I think that you know, at the beginning, we were talking about the beginning of the season. Um, we had a few very, very, very dodgy results, which obviously led us to kind of where we are now. I think it's um, uh, for me, this season's been tough, not just because of COVID. I mean, COVID obviously has had a lot to deal with it, but. I think this season has been a really hard season for Arsenal. You know, we've gone from not having to change our manager for 20-odd years to having three managers in one year. And that, someone for like me is not used to it. I, I In my Arsenal time of um, supporting Arsenal, I've only ever known three managers, I think. I think... Um, the back end of Graham, back end of George Graham. Tim Bruce Rioc, uh, Bruce Rioc, and Arsene Wenger.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, with Stuart Houston in the middle, just as a caretaker. But um, for me, the managers that I really grew up with was Bruce Rioc and Arsene Wenger. And it's been so weird just having those managers. I mean, Danny, you'll probably speak on this more. I think before this season in the 90s here I'm trying to talk about what do you think was our worst season I want to say when did we finish like 12th was it that was
0: 94 95 season because we were in the the Cup Winners Cup run that we lost the final to Real Zaragoza but that season um George Graham left in about the February March I think it was then Stuart Houston took over and that was we were going through a transition we we brought in uh, Matt Upson John Hartson Chris Kiwomia, Jimmy Carter Eddie McGoldrick um and, and, and a few other players like that and we were thinking these these players really aren't arsenal quality players. We were, the style of football we were playing had changed from the Landers, Limpar, Broadcastle, Flair kind of things. And then we had Ian Wright was missed missed the final. And then we had other players like that out. And it was just, it's just one disaster after another. And then the FA hung and Premier League hung George Graham out to dry when other managers were at it more than George Graham was at it. And it should have been they all got done or none of them got done. And he was, he was used as a scapegoat and it, it ruined the rest of his career for him but that season because we were battling an all funks and we had the injuries you look at some of the players that managed to play in the final no no um a bad certain, b- bad word about those they they did the job but the players that we had the club in the last few years and the players we ended with at the end of that 94 95 season you look back at that and you think how the hell did we end up with these players playing in those positions um it was it was dire it was I mean I went, I was going to all the the home games back then and I remember thinking god this is rough and then at the end of that season, um, next season, we got, um, Bruce, Riok in charge and we only made the UEFA the UEFA cup, UEFA cup. We only made that on the last game of the season. And, uh, then the next season, um, when Bruce Riok went, we got knocked out, I think the British mentioned Gladbach knocked us out in the first round of the UEFA cup. I remember thinking, oh, all right, all well, that celebration at the end of last season. Now we're in Europe. Hey, after all those years of being out of it, um, two years being in it, but all the years because of the Liverpool, Wimble- Liverpool stuff and thinking this is, this isn't going to work well. And then Arsenal Wenger came in and it turned out, turned out to be all right again.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean this, I mean this season has been, I don't know. I mean, we'll do a quick, really, really quick uh, recap of this season. I mean, we had, we started off not too bad. I remember I'm not going to go through all the results, but we played the first game Newcastle away, which we won, Bamiyang. That then went Burnley, Liverpool. And then, obviously, the 2-2 at Spurs was um, one of the ones where, obviously, we could have won it 3-2 at the end, but, obviously, Bamiyang missed a penalty. I think... um, It was then when you started to see the cracks in us because literally, I remember the next game when we played Watford and we were two new up. And do you remember um, we kept playing out from the back? We kept playing out from the back because that's what Emery wanted. We just kept playing out from the back. And then literally, uh, do you remember when they caught us that we we kicked it out? And then I can't remember who got caught on the ball. They tackled us and then they scored straight away. And you would have thought that was an alarm bell but we kept still playing out from the back, playing out from the back. And after that, you know, we started to question, you know, is Emery good enough for Arsenal? Should he um, be our manager? Uh, we had some really bad results. Um, again, I think that we lost to Sheffield United away, which sometimes you can look at that and think, well, they beat a few teams, but you know, we lost to Sheffield United. Um, we drew with Crystal Palace at home. And then, that crazy, crazy Carball Cup game when we literally was playing Liverpool Youth and we drew 5-5 with them, which for me, and then we lost on penalties, which for me was the final straw. I think that was the game when we should have got rid of Emery. I mean, like I said, we literally played Liverpool Youth and we couldn't beat them. For me, that should have said anything. It should have spelled... Um, the end for Emery, but we cracked on, and then we had the um mid we had the international break, and then we lost to Leicester. And I remember everyone was thinking before the Leicester game that's when we should have got rid of Emery. And for some unknown reason, Arsenal persisted with him. We still <laughs> persisted. We still persisted, and then we lost to Frankfurt, didn't we? Yeah, we lost to Frankfurt, at home. and and that was the. I think the straw that broke the camel's back, wasn't it? It was um, after that game that Emery Emery was sacked. Um, Danny, when Emery was sacked, I mean, what was your thinking? I mean, after that 2-1 Frankfurt game, I think we all knew that the writing was on the wall for him. But when the news came out, because I think it was the next day, wasn't it? I think on the Friday, that's when it came out about, obviously, uh, him leaving. What was your feeling?
0: I'm going to hold my hands up here. I don't want Mikel Arteta as manager. That was my feeling. I want Carlo Ancelotti as manager. I want an experienced man who knows what he's doing. I don't want some bloke who spent five minutes learning from Pep coming to manage our club. I want someone who knows what they're doing, Carl. This is why I'm sat here and I have fuck all to do with football. (laughs) I didn't want him. Nothing against him. I loved Arteta at Arsenal. He was the creative midfielder at Everton. He was magnificent at Everton, and he sacrificed his career after the eight-two hammering to come to Arsenal. Yeah, I come to Arsenal. Yeah, I think I'd be great there. I'll score some goals. I'll I'll get lots of assists. Creative. Oh, DM, you ready to play in DM? right, i want to play in DM and get my ass kicked every game. He gave up. He did it. He, and he kept on doing it. And he captained us to an FA Cup final win. And then I, th- I thought, I like him, but I, I want stability. I want an old man to come in here, put Arsenal on his knee and, and rock us back until we're happy and, and sort the club out. And I no,
1: didn't want Arteta. That's what I thought. <laughs> Nicky, when, um, Emre was sacked. What was your feeling? Was you happy? Was you sort of knew this was going to happen? Or was you, well, in the minority, a little bit sad? I
2: was just really angry at Emre's girlfriend for ruining Arsenal, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's what well, But I was just, I don't think everything was 100% his fault. Did they, you know, they bought Pepe when he said they wanted Zaha. Would that have made a difference to have a Zaha... For those first six months, that you know, he knows the premiership obviously better. So he wouldn't have had this sort of bed and in season. Would he have helped, you know, because he's had his shot at Man United and he sort of blew that for a couple of years. So he went back to Palace. You know, some of these players, you know, when they go to a bigger club with better players, either step up and play well, or they don't and they have to drop back down, which he did, but and I couldn't understand when they were saying they were, like, laughing at Emery and stuff like that, why he didn't get a translator in to help him, which there's nothing wrong with that, you know. So Bobby Robson had a translator at Barcelona in Mourinho just so they could say, Oi, Emery, that Ozil over here just called you a twat. <laughs> oh, you dropped then, mate, you know. So it's just little things like that. And it just maybe proves that you can know all about stats and have a big book on all our players, how you can make them better and stuff like that. You know, that's you know, that's all good and well on the paper side. When it comes to on the pitch, he just couldn't implement his ideas on the pitch. Whether players weren't listening to him, making fun of him, because I know a lot of the media were making fun of him, you know, explaining everything. But you know, he was on a hide and an oven taking over from Arsenal. And maybe coming from Spain, you know, the middle clubs, they try to not lose games and sort of nick of win, whereas Arsenal, we don't do that. We we have the expectation of win, you know, trying to win every game. So but probably similar to when David Moyes went to United, not that type of manager that you know set out to win first rather than not to lose. And it seems he kept setting us out to try and not to lose. It's and came like there too many draws
0: against teams we should have. Yeah. We had five draws in six games. Not good enough, Carl.
1: I mean, I just don't think we played very good football under Emre. I think the football was boring. I mean, I can think of a handful of games where I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. And then we just collapsed. I mean, the one standout game was the one from his first season when we beat Fulham 5-1. And I can remember the, um, the Aaron Ramsey goal. Uh, which was absolutely brilliant. I mean, there wasn't many of those um, for us to win, but, you know, everyone was talking about, oh, Emery ball, Emery ball. I mean, like, you can do it against Fulham, you know, relegation fodder, but where's this energy when we want to play the top six teams? You know, and I I just don't think, I think after we got beat by Chelsea 4-1, I think Emery should have gone then. However, I don't make the decisions. Um, people who get paid much, much more than me do, and I think <laughs> I a good
0: that point in the chat, Carl, if if you don't mind, um, someone said that he should have gone. There we go. I think it was uh, yeah, ninety-five. Winston. I was overjoyed. Emery should have been sacked before the Baku final because of the way we finished the league. I mean, the capitulation at the end of last season was we. Yeah. we it, it would have been easier. To, to win the games than to lose the games. And he managed to throw that away game after game after game yeah, I,
2: mean, I mean, at the end of the season. Was it Palace, yeah. West Brom, teams yeah. and that? Yeah, Come I mean, At home as well. I think some of them were at home. Yeah. You, Three teams at at home. yeah. That. And West Brom, you think, you know, because I remember we were talking, you know, we had the run-in, let's like, say eight games, you thought, this should be easy. We're, I think we were two points off top four with a game in hand, and then we just completely bottled the end of the season and then obviously losing the cup final in the fashion he did I don't know
1: why they got they gave him another year to be honest I think because you know for me personally my opinion is I think they thought we give him try and give him another season just to see how he is I mean for us button in the league I mean that Loki um 73 said for me the Palace game was the last draw. I remember I lost it that game because I thought, how the hell do you lose at home to Crystal Palace 3-2? That was, for me, the, the last shot and we should never, ever, ever have gone into the following season with him. But we stuck with him for some unknown reason. And, and maybe it was a money thing. Maybe they fought You know, sacking him was going to cost Arsenal. Well, obviously, ultimately it did because you have to you have to pay off him and all these staff. And I, you know, I understand that. But for me, it was inconceivable the fact that we could lose that many games towards the end of the season and then go into a final, a European final like that, to our London rivals and lose four one. That for me was a 4-1 loss, though, was it? It was an absolutely, absolutely show. It was a shit show. We got played off the pitch, literally, because for me, Emery was very stubborn. He didn't want to change away from his style. This the playing out from the back, the way he wanted to play out from the back, did not work. There are certain times when you have to kick up the pitch. And I understand, you know, we can go into the tactical realms, and I kind of understand the reason why he did it because we had no height sort of in midfield, kind of didn't really have a midfield or no one could win the ball in field. So the best way for him to get the ball up the pitch was to play on the floor. Okay. You could, you could talk, say that if it works, it's a tactical masterclass. If it doesn't work, then we have results like, you know, we did against Watford, the two, two, when they knew what they were doing. So they knew what we were doing. So they put three players on the edge of their own uh, box because they knew that the ball was going to be played out. So, how easy is it to defend against that? I mean, Danny, neither of neither you or I are tactical geniuses, but you know, straight away you are going to be like, okay, Watford are playing a very high press. So, what do you do if they're playing the high press? You kick it long and go over the top. It's not, it's not rocket science. It really is not rocket science. But for some unknown reason, Emery didn't do that. I mean, no, we're not going to Emery bash. He's uh, in. Seville, I want to say. Is he? Seville, oh, Villarreal. Villarreal, sorry. Um, so, you know what? Good luck to them. And, yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, yeah oh, he, He's gone now. Um, and then we had Freddie for a little while. I mean, Freddie yeah. had, what? Um, I think his first game was the West Ham game, wasn't it? Or was yeah, it the no, West Ham? No, it wasn't. It was Norwich, wasn't it? Norwich 2-2. Uh, so he yeah, had Norwich, we drew 2 2 with. We lost to Brighton. He's done a double over us. Can't you believe Brighton done a double over us? Fucking hell. I uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> it just it, it begs belief, doesn't it? And and it's results like that that stick in your mind. You know, the fact that Brighton beat us home and away. You know, things like that shouldn't happen to a team like Arsenal Football Club. I'm not saying that we should cakewalk every team, but losing to Brighton home and away was wrong. And then. You know, we had uh West Ham standardly age, we played Man City at home where they battered us, but what you know, um it's what they do. And then Mikel Arteta's first game in charge, Bournemouth away, which we drew one-one. Um when Mikhail Arteta was appointed Danny, I know you said you didn't want him, but after he was appointed, after he was seen shaking hands and you know done his first interview was there a bit of you that was like okay you know what he's here now um I'm going to give him a chance to see what he can do um and hopefully he can do well for us
0: yes as soon as he was announced as manager that's my manager that's the man I'm backing to the extent the same way I don't want Willian but if Arteta wants William, then I'm happy to have Willian and that's how I look at it because the people who do run the football know more about football than I do. Um, I'm not the kind of idiot who's gonna go on the internet and go, we don't want Burma Yang, he's a pace merchant. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say anything as stupid as that. Also, say some stupid things. Oh, the pirate's in the chat. Where did you find these clowns? <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. Coming from the Farmers League expert. What are you doing? <laughs> Talking about tractors and fertilizer. <laughs> actually Chris did a really if you go and have a look for Hybrid squad today he did a really good um podcast with um the legendary Kevin Campbell um Sophie and some Matt Spiro I think his name was all four of them talking a lot about Saliba and the future of him and Guendouzi so you go and have a look for that if you can it's, it's all we ever do on this podcast talk about other people's podcasts so it's really good um yeah, so i thought, well, he's our manager. I'm perfectly happy with that, and I like the way he looks. I am—I'm seem to be obsessed with the fact that someone told me he's bald and he wears a wig, and I'm looking at this. Every I'm looking, is he bald? Is he wearing a wig? I don't care if he is. He's a good-looking chap. He knows what he's doing, and immediately, uh, were, were, Carl, were you under the – did you get the feeling with Lundberg that he really didn't know what he was doing? He's managed the under-23s and done a good job there, but a lot of the time, Lundberg would stand there like I would um, watching buses go by again, uh, uh. but then I you see Arteta, twenty-five languages he's speaking out there, directing traffic like like he like
1: an absolute legend. I think you need to remember that Lundberg didn't have any coaches. Yeah, yeah. Like, you yeah, yeah. the whole coaching staff went with Emery, yeah, so it was and him, and, and um, <laughs> Bold. Yeah, that was, that was that was his coaching staff, and the problem is when. So a manager, like I'm not gonna say to everyone to pretend how to suck eggs, but a manager very rarely coaches, very very rarely coaches. And I'm Chris in the chat. I mean, he can probably play a testament to this, where you would sit down with your coaches and you would say, right, today I want to work on our defensive shape then I want us to work on the attacking ship. I want us to work on passing. So you will have coaches who will work on those things for you. I mean, you may set out the game plan, but the actual coaching of players is down to individual coaches. A manager very rarely, very, very rarely will say, right, you do this, you you do that. It's, it's not, it doesn't really happen. So the fact that Lundberg didn't have that, he didn't have anybody there. He had him, Steve Bowles, and... um. Her. And per, that's all he had. So you can kind of understand when you've got to do the team shape. You've got to coach the players. You've got to pick the team. You've got to work on defensive um, duties. You've got to work on attacking. You've got to sit down with the players. You've got to talk to the players. You've got to be their father, be their mother. You know, baby them. And it, it, it's very hard to, to, you know, for one person to do that. And the fact that he was just thrown into the job, that's not easy thing to do. So I kind of, I will. Give Lundberg a pass because for him oh, to yeah. step in and do all that, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So, you made me
0: hesitant about Arteta because you saw Lundberg coming in, coming in, being manager, never done it before to that kind of level. And I thought, we're just going to get the same from Arteta. And it turns out I was wrong.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm happy that Longberg's still a part of the uh, the first yeah. squads. I am happy because I think Arteta knows that he needs to keep some sort of famili- familiarity around. I think obviously that's the only reason why Steve Bold was probably uh, still in the setup because he was what an assistant manager or assistant coach. Sorry, I should say assistant head coach uh, under Emre. But you know he didn't really do much because you had uh, Carcedo. I want to say his name was um,
0: the shouty one.
1: Yeah, he was the one that used to, you know, I think he done a lot of the coaching as well, uh rather than Emery. I mean, I know you used to see them little uh, videos of Emery. <laughs> um, I, one sticks in my mind when they're doing a free kick training, that like delivering the balls into the box and some of the balls he's delivering in you're thinking what the hell are you doing? But <sighs> we are where we are. Um Danny, for me the lowest point of the season, getting knocked out of the Europa Cup by Olympiakos. We won the way leg 1-0, and you thought that we are going to come back to the Emirates and we would beat them. For me, that was, yeah, the lowest point of the season for me because... In Arsenal results terms, I should say, because for me, that was literally, you couldn't make that up. You go away to Greece, you win 1-0 out there, you come back and we win uh, and we lose 2-1. For you, Danny, what was, after that game, what did you think?
0: Well, first of all, like we went out there, we won one nil away. You thought, fair enough, that's us through. And then come back to ours and just in the beginning of the second half, um, they scored. And we're thinking, oh, for God's sake, that just means it's going to go to extra time. We're going to win in extra time. Late at night, we wanted to get the, the live show over and done with. And we're going to get extra time. Could go to penalties. Oh, don't need this. Bummy Young pops up and they, uh, right near the end of the game scores a goal. Thing, right, there you go, done and dusted through to the next round. Uh, uh-uh, uh that's not happening. About thirty seconds to go, or however long it was, and their player come on, made it down, um, scored, and made it two-one on the night. Two-two on aggregate. They have got two away goals compared to one away goal. We fucked it. We've, we've, we've. It's been an absolute bloody nightmare. And you're thinking, well, that was peak Mustafi for me, and peak Jacker, and peak Savios, and peak or where they all none of them did their job properly. And Bellerin's coming back from injury, and I'm thinking. Uh, that sums up what it is to be an Arsenal fan. Not only have we been knocked out at home in the Europa League, but we've all got COVID now. Well, thank you very much. We must well just give up playing football and go home. I'm going to go and turn the light on.
1: Uh, Nikki, was that for you the lowest point of the season, getting knocked out by um, Olympiacos?
2: I forgot all about it, mate. I blocked that from the memory because we won the FA Cup. <laughs> i really did mate when you said yeah who did we lose how did we lose in the europa league again because honestly mate, i couldn't remember what happened but i just i don't like it when we keep blaming our defenders for everything that goes wrong you know it's like there's so many times this year where our strikers and sometimes a bamiang as well you know like Lacazette, where they've Either haven't created any chances, fluffed a few easy chances. And it's like, all right, we should be 4-0 up after 60 minutes. We're 1-0 down. They make a load of changes and just pile on the pressure change tactics to whatever their managers change. Because, you know, with 20 minutes, half an hour to go, I are like, we've got to go for it. We'll try something. They try it. And they just come straight through the midfield. Who just step aside and say, "Yeah, go attack the defenders," because it doesn't matter how many times we let you run past us, they'll just blame David Louise anyway. Look at his hair. Yeah. And, and that's and that's what they're like, you know. We always got and that's what's got me for years. They go on about how fantastic our old back four was, and during the Invincibles, they talk about how brilliant Van Dijk is and that he ain't that brilliant. You see what he's done against us. He's made a few mistakes. It's so easy to defend when you're 4-0 up at half-time, like with Soul Campbell. The other team are coming out, they know they're beaten. They're done. They're not even trying. They're like, all right, we'll leave it there. Let's just have a friendly the second half. Don't push it, or we're gonna we're gonna kick you. That's what we do. The games, I don't know how many games, I'm sure you guys can remember, you know, during the Invincibles, when we're paralysing the first half. We could be six or seven in this game. We come out the second half, you think they are not even trying to score another goal. It's because the game is done. And it's so much easier to defend when you're three, four-nil up. Whereas these guys, how many times have we left it where we're nil-nil or only one nil up going in the last 20 minutes? And they just pepper us. I mean, even the last home game, you know, we we'll took would we'll be two nil up against um or three nil up against um yeah, up. Watford.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, they are going to come at us because obviously they were going to get relegated, but we nearly bottled that as well.
1: (laughs) I think with Arsenal's defence, you're never comfortable. I mean, I remember tweeting saying only Arsenal could be three mil up and still not be comfortable, which for me, you know, it's something that we've got to address in the summer. Our defence, and I think it probably stems from the midfield as well, because I think teams get our defence far, far too easy, far too easy.
0: Um, Danny. You know, there's four Arsenal podcasts live at the moment. There's oh. Andrew, there's Tom, there's Harry and there's us. Yeah, <laughs> there,
2: go, go into their chat and put our link in there.
0: <laughs> 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 no, we're all friends.
1: We all play fair. I'm not. Uh, Danny, our manager yeah. changed up. stuff. Did you, like, did you my food. donut, by the way? I did. I thought you was uh, on the source, Danny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, go on our manager changed the course of football because if you remember, we was going to play Manchester City. um, I think it was the Wednesday, wasn't it? Mm. And then our manager came back with having COVID and that's when the league was shut down because remember, they were still going to play games. um, They weren't going to close the league and I think it was Mikael Eteta contracting COVID um, that shut down Uh, football Um, Danny did you think the season was going to be restarted
0: no well At first, I thought, well, that's it. The season's over and done with. They're not going to bring it back. There's no point. People's health health is more important because we all know that football cares about people and it's not all about money. And then I got a bang to the head and I realised, oh, fuck, it is all about money. They don't give a shit about the fans. All they care about is the sponsors lining their own pockets. The fans can go fuck themselves. Um, They've signed contracts. Those contracts have got to be seen out. And plus the Bin Dippers needed to get a few points to win the league. In fact, I I thought maybe they'll bring it back and then give the Bin Dippers the league and then shut it down after they've officially won it because they hadn't had enough points to win it. But, yeah, in any in any normal sane world, you'd go. Well, hold on, we're not having any of this lot. Grown men, twenty-two men, spitting and rubbing and licking and fighting and poking and grabbing each other. We're not having like in rugby. You're not having the. Uh, there's no more scrums at the moment. they they're bringing in the herd on the radio before I manage to reach across and tell Alexa to shut up because I don't want to hear it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a mess. And uh, actually. Give them their their dues. It's actually turned out all right. As long as you have the option to turn off the fake uh, the crowd noises, I've quite enjoyed the football comeback.
1: I mean, I, I agree with you, Danny. Whenever I watch a game, I uh, don't watch. I don't have it with the crowd noises. I like. I've kind of enjoyed not having the. I mean, I've kind of enjoyed hearing the, the players on the pitch.
0: I've uh, enjoyed Arteta speaking a hundred languages.
1: Definitely, what a man!
2: <laughs> Did anyone here rightly screaming like with no crowd on the weekend, screaming at Rob Holden, man on, man on, Rob, man on, Ian Wright? Yeah, he was, <laughs> he, he was coaching <laughs> Rob Holden most of the game, but
0: I had it on BBC and I to, this annoyed me. I've got, I watched it on BBC on channel 115 in HD. <laughs> But then, if you wanted to hear it with no, with no crowd noises, it was on the red button, which was in standard definition. I thought, or well, which I had to pick one, which one? And I thought, I'm just going to go with HD and just ignore it.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree, um, Nicky, After the the restart, how what was your feeling with Arsenal? Were you kind of confident after that that we would make top four, considering where we were in the league and the, the the people around us because I remember Manchester United didn't really weren't before lockdown. Man United didn't have the best results. Um, Leicester were kind of looking a little bit rocky as well. When that lot from up the road were not in the best of form. So after the restart, did you think that we had maybe an outside chance of making the top four?
2: Not really. I mean, I said before the game, I said, well, one, I wasn't first, and obviously after like Man City and was it Brighton as well? I thought, nah, it's gone. But, but also just to quickly correct you, you know, the um, Man City game was postponed because the Olympiacos manager had COVID, who we played the Friday. So we Arteta had to isolate for seven days. So that's why the Man City game was postponed on the Wednesday. They didn't stop that game because... Arteta got COVID and he wasn't actually the first football guy to come out. The player at Chelsea actually came out first before him and said he'd contracted. It was at Hudson-Odoi or something. He actually came out and said he got it. But that's just a bit bit of a bugbear for mine. They said it in the cup as well. And I was like, oh, and football was put on hold for three months because Mikael Arteta contracted the coronavirus. I was like, well, it wasn't really, was it? It wasn't Arteta's fault. He didn't pass the coronavirus on to everyone, you know.
1: No, but I think without Arteta coming out and saying that he got it, because yeah. well, he did have it, didn't he? And I think without yeah. Arteta saying that he, he had it, I think football would have carried on. I think it took uh, someone who was, was ha- as high profile as mm. the Arsenal manager saying mm. that I've got the virus having to, them, them to say, yeah. right.
2: Well, I think because that was Stop. the Chelsea bloke, then Arteta, and then over the next few weeks, we had a few... Didn't um, was it Everton? Was did, was it Ancelotti? I'm sure there was someone who had it as well. They come out and said, "Oh yeah, I had that for a while and the stuff like that." But obviously, that's kind of old news. You know, once two or three mm. players have had it, no one really cares if you're famous yeah. and you've got it and you've recovered from it. They'd only really care if you're famous, got it, and died of it.
1: I mean, but, yeah, I think um. Uh, i mean yeah i think it was the right thing for the league to do i mean you know my heart still goes out for all the people who've lost loved ones during this pandemic is it's absolutely awful it's um terrible and i think yeah. you know it was the right thing to do to, to stop it. it um we needed to and i think uh, you know like danny said for me i i personally would have not even now i personally still wouldn't have uho re- You know, I would done what the France did, and stop the league. But you know, there are contracts to fulfil and things like that. So, I mean, for the for the enjoyment, yes, (laughs) rightly so. um, Bring it on! But as long as things are done safely, which they were, because I think the league takes uh, very very strict precautions, and Mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy that that's happened. And. Yeah, out of all that, we've managed to win the FA Cup. I can't remember if you remember, Danny, that we've... Uh, 14 times, is it, Danny? 14? 14. Magic number 14.
0: Wonderful shirt
1: number. And 14. Man who,
0: won, man who won the 14th was wearing the 14th. Indeed.
1: 14. indeed. Um, right. I guess we can't avoid the news that's happened today, can we, uh, with Arsenal? Um, today, Arsenal released... Uh, a, a statement saying that they're going to put 55 people um, out to pasture, basically, um, making them redundant. And, uh, you know, you, you go on Arsenal Twitter. Arsenal Twitter is toxic at the best of times. It really That's is. an understatement. And, um, I mean, me and Josh were sort of talking about it as well. And, you know, everyone's got their own opinions. Everyone's got their own opinions. But for me, The one thing I can't understand, and uh, I'll come to you, Nikki, about this afterwards. So I'll give my point of view: is you're putting fifty-five people out. um, uh, Fifty-five people are losing their jobs now. Respectfully, for me, that equates to maybe, maybe two or three million. You know, I I think it's probably no more than that. You're going to be saving. Um, If it's a money-saving thing then, okay, cool, you're saving two or three million off the, off the wage bill, um, ultimately to somebody who earns who, um, whose net worth, and Stan cook's net worth is eight billion dollars, not million, eight billion dollars. Um, I think he could easily cover that, I'll be very honest with you, I, he could easily cover that. Then, as the day rolled on, you realised who was uh, losing their job. And it was uh, two people from our scouting teams, which, um, you know, everyone's got their own opinions about that. Um, But for some unknown reason, Meza Ozil's name kept coming up. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't understand why Meza Ozil's name's coming up. So here's my my car walker thinking Arsenal Football Club said to Mesut Ozil we will pay you £350,000 or whatever the number is a week for you to play for us for, and we're going to pay you this uh, for the next four years Mesut Ozil said okay no worries okay um, for some other reason Mesut Ozil not being chosen in the squad that's not down to that's down to the manager. The manager picks the team. Mesut Ozil doesn't pick the team. The manager does. Fine. Then people are saying that Mesut Ozil should leave Arsenal to get them off the wage bill. Why? Mesut Ozil doesn't own any loyalty to Arsenal. Just the same as if you work for a company, your company said, I'm going to pay you this amount of money. And they say it's a family-run business. But you don't own any loyalty to that. That company has said to you, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you 350 grand a week for four years. And you said, okay, now he's not playing for whatever reason, but he's not on picking the team. So why is Mose Erz- Ozil's wages being spoken about? That's got nothing to do with it. It's the owner of the football club. Now, I know people will think differently to me and I understand that, but I don't understand why Mose name is being dragged through the dirt when, like I said, the owner of the football club net worth is eight billion dollars. I, I don't understand that. I don't underget it. Nikki, do you what, what is your opinions of it of the news today?
2: Well I don't know exactly you know the fifty-five people who have been released slash sacked or whatever. I don't know exactly like all of them. I mean you said there's a couple of scouts but you know, people come and go in those sort of things. You know, Arteta's got in, he's got some of his backroom staff. Maybe he wants a new scouting network. I mean, I'd like would say, I don't know who the rest of them are. Maybe that's part and parcel of the job. Maybe some of them were only on one-year deals anyway. I don't know why it's such a big deal when, you know, people leave Arsenal. But when people leave other clubs, they just don't, don't seem to care. I mean, everyone's just assuming this is poor. Like you say, Doris, the tea lady who's been sacked and now she's got to go get a night job working somewhere and stuff like that. We we don't know exactly who it is. But with Ozil, I mean, it takes two to tango. Why they're not picking him, I think the explanation is what we said, a stand of money. I mean, I, I you know... I know a few people who have been at like Norwich and stuff like that, and it's very similar at Arsenal. Yeah, Ozil's on three hundred and fifty grand a week. Not basic. That's not basic. No way is that basic. That's with appearance bonuses, win bonuses, getting into Champions League bonuses, and all that. Because we had the same thing when um, a few years ago when they said Rooney went on to three hundred thousand a week. And then Ferguson complained, and they put him on three hundred thousand a week. It's a maximum that wouldn't surprise me. It's, it's still a lot of money. That wouldn't surprise me if he's on closer to two when he's not playing at all. That person, I think that's why they're not paying playing him because they're saving, paying him one hundred and fifty thousand pound a week or what, even a hundred, because he's not, he wasn't contributing to the team. And I know why, because Arsene Wenger left, who, you know, was his father-like figure, brought him to England, brought him to Arsenal, put a shoulder around him and said, come and play for me, Messer. I know you're a world-class player. You can run around on the pitch, you know, spitting your chewing gum, kicking it up and catching it in your mouth, whatever you want to do. And obviously went to the, was it the Euros or the World Cup? And then Germany had a terrible time and it was all Mesut Ozil's fault because, he, you know, his grandparents are Turkish. And he said hello to the Turkish president. So it was all his fault because he's Turkish. And I just see it in his eyes when he came back he's not interested, he might as well, you know, he's lost the, you know, I know it's a Rocky movie, but he's lost the eye of the tiger, He just not, it's not there, and I've seen it with players before, I saw it years ago with Theo, when he'd done his knee against Spurs, you know, when he went off doing the whole 2-0 thing, and he come back, he wasn't the same player, and he's gone to Everton, new challenge, they want to get rid of him on a free, they said, you know, please take him. No one, you know, because they can see he's given up. He's realised, well, Theo different to Messer. Messer's realised, I'm not going to win any more World Cups or play for Germany. Am I going to win any, you know, trophy, you know, premierships? Or, F- you know, he could have won an FA Cup if he'd have bothered. But, you know, I mean, he's already won a couple of those anyway. But he's, I just think he doesn't bother. And I think that is down to money. I think they're not paying him as much to not, you know, I think they're saving a few quid.
1: But with, so, with, um, I, like I said, so Danny, do, do you understand the reason why people are mentioning Mesut Ozil above anyone else? For the simple fact that Arsenal Football Club have decided to make redundant 55 people. And the first thing that people on Twitter want to do is say, well, Mesut Ozil owns £350,000 um, a week. But like I said to you, Mesut Ozil owes no loyalty to Arsenal. He's an employee of that club. He's, he doesn't have the same affiliation as we do. So they're talking about that. I and mean, like I said, I'm not. Uh, we're not talking about the blame game now. But Stan is net worth is eight billion. Are you trying to tell me that there's 55 people he's laying off? Which, like I said, if let's say they were all on 50 grand a week, which I very much doubt. Sorry, 50 grand a month, a year. Sorry. The, the worth of that is literally maybe three or two two to three million. Are you trying to tell me someone whose worth, net worth is eight billion couldn't cover those wages? And I, I don't understand why people are mentioning Meza <laughs> Erzl in this. It makes no sense to me.
0: Uh, Meza Erzl is a, a room full of gentlemen, and one of them's farted, and the dog gets kicked every time because the, the, they want the dog to take the blame from no matter what goes wrong. Erzl's not to blame. And with the staff, it depends what the job it is. If it's a scout, then maybe, yeah, um, Stan Conkey should cover their wages. But if it's ground staff, if it's match day people, that looks like they're not going to be used for the next 12 months, then why keep them on? You yes. Uh, oh, pardon me. Um, you're not going to need these people. Now, I know, um, I know I'm not going to say his name. I always think Claudio Canizia, but it's not. It's a name that sounds like that, and he's Argentinian, and he's one of our scouts. I think he was – a youth player at the club years ago. Um, uh, The scouting people you do need because games are still being played. Scouts are still important. But when it's people that are going to be there to um, either uh, marshal the match day experience or work there during match days, well, you're not needed anymore. Maybe because the government have furloughed a certain number of people for a certain length of time. And then I think it was 80% and that's dropping down to another one. And maybe they're going, well, we can't afford to do that. We run it as a business. If it was... But as you and me running the club, first of all, we'd have all Arsenal fans working there, and then they'd be part of our Arsenal um, thing, fanhood. So we'd say, "No, don't you worry about it. We'll keep, we'll look after you. We'll keep you sweet like the mafia. We'll look after you." But he doesn't give a shit, does he? And technically, why should he? And I'm just reading here in the in in the mail that um, that Alexis uh, Sanchez has agreed to join Inter Milan on a free transfer and he's worked out a deal with Man United. He was on £560,000 a week, and he's gone from that to one hundred and thirty grand a week tax-free. So Man United have had to pay him to go away. Imagine if we were in that situation. And he
2: got about £7 million buyout, didn't he? Yeah,
0: something like that. That is just shows how stupid football's become, doesn't it?
1: I mean, he's... we just don't... I think contracts these days are... I'm I just stupid. I mean, I'm not saying do a Jack Wilshere style pay-as-you-play sort of contract, but surely, you know, if, if you have a contract with a club, you should say, OK, you will earn this amount of money uh, as long as you do X, Y, and Z. And yeah, some players may not agree to I mean, what you should be doing is filling it up with bonuses. Because you, you, what you would do is think of OK, Mesut Ozil, What we do, we give you twenty grand for every assist you make. I mean, I think it was. I think it's. um, Oh God, what's his name? It's going to really bug me now. Uh, What was it? A player? A football player? Man City striker. Oh God. Robinho? No, the one currently. Currently. Aguero. Aguero, I think he gets something stupid like 35,000 for every goal that he scores. That's the way to do it. So that's what you do. You load up the contract with goals. I mean, all of us listening to this now have no idea what is made up of Mesa uh contracts. Yeah, I know there's a lot of image rights in there, but, you know, we put a load of his image rights and then he got dropped by Adidas. So, <laughs> you know, we're not making uh, a lot of money out of that. But
0: People are still buying Mesut Özil ten shirts, aren't they? All across the world.
1: Yep, this is true. Always will do. um, You know, I think that we, as Arsenal Football Club, we want to do better, and I don't. I don't just don't understand why we that got released, and you then went onto Twitter, and everyone started talking about Mesut Özil. The club needs change, and yes, the club is changing. Getting rid. I mean, like we said, we don't know. Who they're getting rid of. I mean, we know that the star names because the, the scouts, I mean, one of the scouts been there for 20 odd years and he's the one that apparently discovered, um, um, gas and also Martellini, uh, apparently. But like you said, um, because me and Josh were saying, if there's those match day staff, uh, yeah, you'd get rid of those because for the foreseeable, we're not going to have, um, fans in the ground it's not going to happen as much as people are willing it to happen it it just won't happen so yeah all the people who work in the hospitality suites and all the people that you know cook the hot dogs and things like that why are you keeping them on the books where right now we don't know if we're going to have fans in the ground this year i mean my personal opinion is that we won't have fans in the ground this year and then if we didn't start to reintroduce fans then we can put an advert or hire them back. But keeping them on the books, I mean, those sort of people as a business makes no sense whatsoever for me. So in that sense, he says, will they come back when the fans return?
0: Bloody good question, Jim. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they probably could. I mean, like I said, if you're working in hospitality, um, by all means, then I kind of understand then. If your main job is to get drinks for fans in the ground, to serve fans in the ground, to cook the food, fans in the ground, and we have no fans, that, for me, makes no sense um, whatsoever to... I mean, we're not like the lot of the road who try to furlough the ground staff. I mean, the grass all needs to get cut and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I think it's... As Arsenal fan base, I think it was just all wrong, and you know, I think you can't have it both ways. I mean, how many years have people been moaning about Arsenal's scouting, saying that we don't get the best players? We've got it all wrong, and then now, I guess it's kind of changing. People are now still um, moaning. For me, it was just the timing of the announcement. The time we just won the FA Cup uh, a few days ago. And now you're making that sort of announcement.
2: Carl, Uh, did they announce that on the website or did someone get a hold of it? Because now cronky has got 100% control and we don't have AGMs and shareholder meetings. Do we have to disclose that kind of stuff?
1: It would have got out anyway. I think it would have leaked because Mm. if you're a coach, if you're a a scout at Arsenal and you've just been made redundant, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to go to the press, aren't you? And say Arsenal's mainly redundant so they've yeah, got ahead they've got ahead of it.
2: Yeah, but if the I'm not not trying to be mean, but if there's if I'm paying you to do a job and that job's not there anymore, why would I pay you to do the job? I mean, you know, if my job shut down, you know, because they shut the factory down, yeah, my governor's a millionaire. He ain't gonna pay my wages, is he? The place is shut down. If it's, if it's gonna, you know, for whatever reason, that's been told to shut down, maybe you'll have me back. You know, I, I, when whereas it opens I, up.
1: Yeah, you're right. But I but, think what we, when you look at football as a whole, I mean, you look at when the pandemic started, um, and you had uh, the health secretary coming out and saying footballers need to do their part. They need to take a wage cut and help out the country and blah blah blah. Why? Why should, just because you get paid a lot of money, why should footballers need to do their part? You're the government, you run it. So I think what happens is there's a misconception that everything in football, everyone or every person in football is rich. Everything to do with football, you make millions and millions and millions of pounds that every footballer is a millionaire and they yeah. all drive Ferraris and they all live in 6 bedroom mansions and shag six girls a day, Um and that's a misconception. Not all footballers are millionaires. What well, if you're yes, a walker, pay- You do. Well, yeah, there is that. Um, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a misconception that footballers have an endless supply. Uh, football has an endless supply of money. Doesn't it? look at Barry. A whole football club has gone out of business this year, and that just that for me is it is it, weird that a football club can just. Cease to exist because they can't afford to to operate, and it's for me it is scary. But I mean, that's the news of Arsenal today, and you know, I mean, everyone will have their own different opinion on it. Everyone will. Also, but...
2: let's take uh, because I work with a guy like one of the head stewards down at Norwich, and on you know normal match days at like twenty six thousand ground, they've got three hundred stewards plus another two three hundred, you know, working. You know, doing the food, you know, the cleaners and all that. That's down there's no food, and the stewards are down to 30. So, you know, and that's been since it started. Why why isn't that in the press? All those stewards and people who cook food and all that, because most of them are gonna be, you know, minimum wage staff anyway.
1: Oh, because it's not sexy, that's why.
2: Oh. You say Norwich isn't sexy, Carl?
1: You've got all webbed toes down there. Shout out to Ellis, though. But, um, I am
2: barefoot. <laughs> I will prove you wrong and get us back No, no,
1: we don't want to hear <laughs> that at all, at all. Yeah, look so, at this bit,
0: Al. Russ Morgan. Arsenal a are in Keir Jarabjin's pocket. No more scouting, just agents.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a worry as well, because are we now behest of the... I mean, for, for years, Arsenal Menga tried to avoid the super agents, and now... Uh, Raul and um, Avinai have seemed to got into bed with uh, these super agents, so it's worrying that. Are we, I mean, just like William? I mean, I guess now's a better time for anyone to talk about the signings that we've been linked to quickly because I know we've been going in about an hour and a half, but um, we are linked heavily with uh, William signing. I mean, like you, Danny, I personally don't want him. I think it's just going to stagnate the growth of Saka personally. So I don't see what Willian is going to add that Saka can't do. Yes, Saka's young, but I think you need to to play him. Um, we've been linked heavily with Thomas Partley as well, but I think he's looking to be about 50 million plus and whether we can afford that, uh, I'm not too sure. And I can't think of anyone else that we've been linked to. Danny, where do you think I mean, do you, the players that we've been linked with, I know you made it earlier saying that you don't really want Willian. Um What about Thomas Partley? Do you know much about him? I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't really.
0: I know absolutely nothing about him. I've never That's actually my Spanish team, Atletico. Never seen him play. I don't watch Spanish football. Bores the arse off me. You know, I tend to watch Italian and German football. So I know absolutely nothing about him and I don't really fancy spending 60 million quid on a player like that. I'm quite happy with the squad that we've got. We need a couple of centre-backs, maybe a proper defensive midfielder and that's it. So I don't know, I don't want him. I don't I don't do want to do one or don't. All I do I trust in Arteta. That's all you need to know, Carl.
1: This is true. Um Nicky, right now would you take William
2: if If we don't pay nothing for him, and it's a one-year deal, he's experienced in the league, and if he knows what his job is going to be, you're going to come to us for a season, you're going to play maybe 20 games, you know, possibly coming off from the bench, and I'm bringing you in to help these youngsters, then maybe. I mean, I've always liked William because I like the idea that um, he agreed to join Spurs, had all the medical, and just jumped in a car and off down to Chelsea and joined them instead, and they they thought that they thought it was done. So you got to love him for that. But yeah, I mean, it depends what money he's been given. If it, like I say if it's one year deal, maybe. But we'll have to see, won't we?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, personally, I still think we need a better midfield. I think the reason why I were. Defense is so bad because they've got no protection from the midfield. I mean, yeah, Jack has come into his own in the last couple of months, and you know his turnaround has been absolutely brilliant—from telling the crowd to fuck off to being, you know, the first name on the team sheet. I think um, it's been brilliant, but I don't think you can play Sabios and the um, every single week. Can't happen. Um, Gwen Doozy seems to be out of it. He seems to be leaving because, uh, as much as I don't think he really contributed anything, he didn't assist any, he didn't score any goals, he didn't make any assist, he didn't tackle. He just ran about the pitch, doing nothing really. And obviously, he's got some sort of attitude problem. You know, of you know, you could kind of see it some of the shit that he does. You could put it down to he's a nineteen-year-old kid, but you know, the things that he said at Brighton. Uh, when we lost and then him apparently refusing to apologise to even Mikel Walteta uh, just shows that I think that his days are very much numbered at the club. And there's rumours about him going to Villarreal uh, to join up with Emre. So we'll see um, what happens there. I mean, just quickly, uh, I don't want to Chris Carpenter monologue, but uh, Danny... Mm how would you sum up this season
0: frustrating worrying interesting amazing glorious
1: we got questions <laughs>
0: after this Carl? huh we got some questions after this from yeah do this
1: uh nicky quickly how would you sum up uh the 2019 <sighs> 2020 season
2: fantastic we won the fa cup
1: we did didn't we Oh,
2: yeah, well, help, you know, have a, a up, club though. that are in crisis, we're in four cup finals in the last four years, one, two out of four. Yeah, crisis
1: my ass. Mm. Good. Carl, go on. You do it. Frustratingly glorious for me. <laughs> uh, this season has been very frustrating for the results, for the, the pandemic and things that have happened there. But it had a very glorious end to it, and I can't. You know, the fact of the matter is, and I keep saying this, in our worst season in in very, very modern history, since, I would say, 2000, sorry, since 94, 95, you know, the worst season we've meant to have had, we still won a trophy. You know, how many clubs can say they've had a terrible season and they've still won a trophy? That's uh,
0: it's not the first part. Every year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I think for me, it's uh, been frustrating, but... It had a glorious ending to it. Right, Danny, I believe you have some questions.
0: I do. We've had uh, someone kind enough to send us in some topics, but we seem to have covered a lot of it. So, first of all, Noir Confidential, Carl, how drunk were you after the final, and how would you compare it to the level of drunkness you experienced after the previous FA Cup finals?
1: Unfortunately, I couldn't drink because I had work at 0700 on a Sunday morning But let's just say I annoyed my uh, colleagues at work, and I watched the game again on our very, very big uh, video wall on Sunday morning. Um, So, unfortunately, I couldn't drink, but couldn't drink, I should say. Sorry, drunk then didn't I? Uh, But I think I did get drunk after the whole final, and that was uh, very messy.
0: Uh, um, did you call you Ellis then? Geez, sorry about that. Uh,
1: uh Nick, what's
2: your? <laughs>
1: did you get Say to... it, Carl? Say it, <laughs> fuck <laughs> Ellis. <laughs> I love him really. But fuck him.
0: Yeah, Carl, now, Nicky.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I may have had half a bottle of Jack Daniels, it's fine.
1: Oh,
0: wow, wow. I don't drink, so I do drink. I don't drink to get drunk. I think I had a few days ago I had half a bottle of pear cider. I went a very hot flushed, felt dizzy and didn't like it. So I'll put it back in if it's still half a bottle there. Uh, next questions from talking about fuck Ellis, starting with you. Um, nick from ellis that's why i kept saying Ellis. because this is the next question so we've crowned our worst season in 40 with a 14th fa cup what's the minimum you expect for next season and what honors do you realistically think we can
2: challenge for what what my, what i think we'll do next year what my expectations are for what's your expectations what did what was the minimum you want I want us to have a go in the cups and try to get up as, as high as the league as possible. And makes I want to see a bit of um ambition over the summer, even though we're in the summer now and it's nearly over. But in the transfer market, not 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 just going after the Hollywood signings because you know, I just want them to go out and get the type of players we need, get it done, and come back and show us that. We've got a bit more flexibility in the side that we're not gonna, you know, end up getting spanked four or five by any of the big sides. And I just, I hope and expect we're a bit better away from home next year because our away form has been shocking this year. Carl, uh,
1: minimum top four. I think we've always got to be striving to get back into the Champions League. So uh, a very minimum top four and. Hopefully a cup. I mean, there's rumours that they're not gonna play the the, um, the league cup next season because of uh, fixture timings. Um, so I think at a bare minimum, uh, top four and champion and, and FA Cup again.
0: I don't think we do that. I think top six and uh, a good cup runs. Um, I don't think we're gonna. Depending on the players we get, but I don't really have any expectations because it makes no difference what I want. I don't always get what I want. Otherwise, I'd be floating now, and I'd have uh, I'd have I'd have ginger pubes. Uh, next question is from Jimmy H actually asked, "What do we think of people losing their jobs?" And uh, all covering that was already done. That Stephen Mwase says, "Hi guys, enjoying the podcast from Kenya in Af- in brackets Africa." Thanks for that. I had no idea. <laughs>
1: Out
0: of ten. What would you guys rate Arteta? I'm going to give him so far an, uh, an 8. Carl?
1: I'd give him a 7.5. Uh, I think he's great that he's uh, won us a trophy, but we lost on really shitty games um, in the running. So, yeah. And he's only had 28 games in charge, so give him a 4 rating at the end of next season.
0: <laughs> Lovely.
2: Nick? 10. He won us a cup. That's better than any Tottenham manager
0: bit of positivity um,
2: he's been a bit iffy with his subs though so hopefully another, do better.
0: another question from Noir he's got three here I'm not sure I want to do them all um, don't know enough about that to ask that one um, save that one for next week he says right, this one um, start with you Nick the future of Maitland Niles was uncertain a couple of weeks ago after his recent performances should we do everything in our power to keep him <sighs>
2: I think he's still under a fairly decent contract. What's he got, two years left? Two? I think. Well, maybe two years left on I was one of the ones that said, I'd, you know, I'd drive him out of the club a few months ago, just before the thing, because he was, like, complaining, like, oh, this isn't my position, uh, left wing-back or right wing-back or whatever. And I'm like, no, you're playing football in the Premier League for Arsenal, mate. You should just be happy to play wherever on the pitch. It's not like he's asking you to, you know, playing goal or something and make yourself look an idiot. And especially since lockdown, when he's come back, I just, whether or not that stays, I've seen like a mental change in him because normally he was so late back, he's practically fallen over, which, he, you know, he's been, but he seemed a lot more focused. And what was that, the game when, um, I think it was the Man City in the semi-finals where he came come on and he was hugging Arteta and, I think Arteta said See, I told you. So obviously they were, you know, they had a plan and it worked perfectly. You know, I, I don't like all these players saying, Oh, well, this is my preferred position. I was like, You're 18, 19, mate, or 20. You haven't got a preferred position, you know, because everyone growing up would love to be a striker and score 30 goals a season and be on the front cover of FIFA and all that crap. But it doesn't always go like that. And you know, I'd rather be, you know. We're making them Niles. He's got a choice. Maybe he could be a right wing back or whatever for for Arsenal for the next five to ten years. Or he can put on his part, say I'm a midfielder, end up down in League One in two years, you know. It's best to just get on with and stop complaining, because how many years did we hear Walcott saying, I want to be a striker, I want to be a striker? Then Arsenal put it, you know, Made him the striker after Van Persie left. He played up front for about six months I think he scored one goal. Mm-hmm. And then he said, oh, well, I think I'd better stay back on the wing, actually. And <laughs> now, yeah, and, and now I'm going to go to Everton and just hide over there.
0: OK, good answer. Next question for you, Carl, from Julian Salmon. Who starts in goal for the first game next season if both keepers are fit? He says he would pick Martinez and I, as I'm a fan of 80s hip-hop I cannot hear the word Martinez without thinking of that song about Martinez's wife I don't know what that is
1: <laughs> um, That's a very hard decision and I don't know the answer to that question uh, if I had to be put on the spot right now I'd probably go with Martinez uh, he, he's shown that he was a he's coming and been a very very good goalkeeper but Arteta's got one of those good problems, which is, I I like it. I like having those sort of um, problems. And that's the reason why Arteta gets paid the big bucks. So, yeah, uh, it's a problem, but it's kind of a good problem.
0: Uh, Okay, one for you, Um, Nick from Jimmy H. Uh, With the academy showing some promise, do you think they can see some money coming in by selling some of the youth players on Looks like Balogun is going for £8 I think Brighton are after him and two or three other teams are after him after seeing his magnificent goal record for the under-18s, under-23s. He's a bit of a beast. Uh, Got a great eye for goal, and I think that could be a bit of a shame because I'm not sure Eddie's going to make it. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it's not nice to say because we'd love every player at Arsenal to be there from like, a sperm and go straight through and play their whole career for Arsenal, but it doesn't happen anymore. And unfortunately, if we're going to keep up with like the Man City and Chelsea, you know, the money they spend, not Newcastle, you know, but if we're going to keep up with them, we have got to try and turn that into a business, you know. That's not nice, but you know, a few years ago when Klopp took over Liverpool, where we are now. And they had to start from the bottom, sell some of the, you know, and some of the money they've got for players. It was the lad they sold to, was it Bournemouth, the winger? I'm trying to think who he was. And I thought, and they got like 20 million quid for him. I was like, how the hell do you get that much money for them? I mean, obviously it's not 40 million for a Woby type money, but it played like half a season. I don't think it looked that impressive. And they were getting good money for these players, so... You know, and if you can invest that wisely, Jordan Ive, that's the one. Is he, was it Bournemouth? Was I close, yeah, Mr. Was it Burnley? That was Burnley. Bournemouth, yeah. Bournemouth, yeah. Well, obviously, ain't gone well because they got relegated, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Bournemouth, never mind, but yeah, you've got to try and do that, you know. And if we could sell, I mean, if we're selling him for eight million, invest, go out and find a midfielder who. You think can be a dominating powerhouse of a midfielder, like you know, potentially like we did with Martinelli last year, because we bought him for eight million quid, didn't we? So if they can do that, great. I think that's what we've got to do.
0: Yes, that's uh, writing a message, and that's a good answer. Um, have we got any more questions? In uh, Granite's right foot, Carl. How do we line up with Cortinho and William next year if the guy if if the reports are true that they are joining the Arsenal? Good luck with that.
1: Um, if we're signing Cortinho, then you'd have to think that uh, someone's got to leave, haven't they? Um, because. Personally, he's a number 10, and we don't really play with a number 10, so you have to play with someone coming in off the wing. So then you're thinking him one side, Pepe one side, cortino Like, it just doesn't work. At the moment, we play a four three three, and we play a Bameyang on the wing. Unless you're going to push a Bameyang to play centre-forward, which I don't know. Uh, I'd like to see him in that position because he can get loads of goals. But we might have to change our formation which I'm not a fan of I think there are um, well at the moment we're playing 5-3-2 aren't we or 5-2-3 kind of uh, we're playing at the moment so we'll see we'll see what happens but I just can't see Cortina coming to us I just don't think we need him I'll be very honest with you like he's gone to Barcelona couldn't do it gone to Bayern couldn't do it why do we feel that he's going to do it with us um, so, for me, Cortina is a no no.
0: Just looking at it, last this season alone at Bayern, eight goals in 23 games. I saw a stat that said most of those goals and assists that he got were all in the space of two or three games. Barcelona, five in 34, then 18 in 18. He um, did nothing into Milan, three in 28. He had one good season, really, or two good seasons, one and a half good seasons of Liverpool, a 13 in 31, and a seven in 14. So, I don't yeah, know enough. enough. What are you doing? You're wiggling around a lot, like a child Sorry. that needs a wee. Sorry, uh, that's all the questions. We're all done.
1: Oh well, well
0: done not all. there. We've got things to say, haven't we?
1: Yeah, um, but that there ends the uh, Arsenal podcast, and I will hand over to Daniel for an announcement. Yeah, uh, a few
0: changes at ABW, people. I'll get straight to it. As a fan of podcasts and radio shows and TV shows, when people leave, I want to know where they've left, why they've gone, and all that kind of stuff. So Jason's gone. Me and him fell out. And the gist of it was, I said, if you don't like the way I run the podcast, leave. So he left, and he was a gentleman about it. He hosted the last show, got massively thirteen thousand views, and then quietly left. Said we can have all the computer stuff back that the pod paid for. I said no, you've earned it all, keep it all. And then we've had to have a bit of a tidy up. Um, OG in Canada left a couple of weeks ago. Shredder left a couple of weeks ago. There was a little bit of a disagreement that went on. Things haven't been right with um, the world recently. And so people have got families and jobs and time zones. I mean, when we do this podcast uh, for the likes of Shredder and OG, it's lunchtime and they can't take two hours for lunch. And then today I said in, the, in one of our groups, I said, look, there's so many people in this group that, that can't for one reason or another do any podcast. And so I said, look, we're going to keep it down to the people who can do it regularly. And so I said, uh, people like Dom and Simon and Fife. And, uh, yeah, they, I said, look, You can all have free transfers. Go and do do other pods or whatever you do. And you're all welcome back as a guest. I don't think we'll be seeing Jason back. But but any of those, they're welcome back to come back as a guest. But it's uh, over the years, ABW has changed a lot. It's only me and Jeff from the original six or eight, six people there's only me in here actually there might have been eight of us i can't remember and then we had uh, the load of those left and then then people like chris and og and jace came in and then fk left and then it's just just how podcasting works people get things in lives where they get more important jobs and they can't um they can't find time for podcasting and that's perfectly fine i don't have a job i don't do anything other than this um these two work shifts and so they can work around it um Jimmy says, uh, why has Jason left? Me and him fell out. Simple as that. I don't agree with some of the things that he did, and he didn't agree with some of the things that I did. And so he said, I'll leave. And I said, okay. It's, uh, he has done more for this podcast in the last year. He has kept part of this podcast going all by himself with the help of Carl and Josh and Chris and stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's just saying, what was the disagreement about? Sometimes I don't like the way people speak to people. Um, you're never sure. With Chris, Chris used to deliberately go, What do you know about football? I watch hundred games a day. And without going into too much detail, you've seen the way I host shows and the way Jason hosts shows. Um, I like to let people speak. Um, I don't like to shout at you, the listeners. Just little things like that. And plus uh, I, I said some things he didn't like and he said some things I didn't like, so you're gonna see him on another podcast sooner or later because he's too good to not be doing podcasts. So uh he'll uh I didn't fire Jason, he left. He said if you don't like what I do, then you can you can go. And so he left and Gav Gav's gone as well. Gav was here, Gav turned up drunk, Gav's gone. So as a podcast, you need you need a tight group of people that are gonna be available to do shows regularly. And the, the choice is if you've got the tight group and then you've got another group of people, five or six people that can't do podcasts, then I think, well, I need to get more people in to replace the ones who are here that don't do stuff. And then you go, well, now we've got a podcast with 20 people on, uh, 25 people. So how's that ever going to work? It's not going to work, is it? So um, everyone else is all on good terms of everybody else. Um, obviously not talking to Jason because, uh, we're both, like Chris says, we're both stubborn old men. And so there you go. We, we try not to hide anything from you lot. Um, Jace did an immense amount of good for this podcast. There was times this season, like the, we were saying that no one wanted to do podcasts. Jace made a promise that he would do every podcast for a live show. And he did it, which is more dedication than I, I've seen from him than I've seen from a lot of people when it comes to a lot of other stuff. So um, yeah, thanks Jace. Thanks Dom. Thanks OG shredder. Uh, Simon. Simon's because he's, he's Simon is going to be a big time journalist. Simon is uh Liquiff, scoop. he's he's going places, he hasn't got time to do stuff with us. So I spoke to he said today now uh, he understands. And uh, who else have I forgotten anybody else? Um Fifey, Fifey just doesn't reply to messages anymore. Jeff Arsenal's still here. Jeff Arsenal never replies to messages. But Jeff said, Don't worry, Dan, I'm going nowhere. So you might see some of those other ones again, but as the core group. There's six of us, and then you've got the others like Nicky, uh, Femi, uh, Richard. They're all going to be included in stuff as well, and hopefully Drew and maybe gets the Sophie back on and, uh, and other stuff like that. So, yeah, just tidying things up a bit, and uh, I think that's the best way to put it, isn't it, Carl? Have I missed anything?
1: No. I mean, I, for one, going to say uh, thank you to Jason. Jason's been – like you said, Jason has done more for this podcast and I think – almost any other apart from Danny. He's um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's not good or it's sad. It's sad even just kind of seeing your parents get divorced as someone who's coming to this podcast that late and, you know, I got brought into this podcast from Chris and then Chris has like done radio shows and then, you know, it's um, Jason is Uh, Jason's a good person and I think Jason is, um, like I said, he works very, very hard entirely. Jason's brilliant. He's very good at podcasting Um, but some people sometimes just don't see eye to eye and unfortunately, you know, as far as I see it, Danny, this is Danny's podcast Danny would, this is there would not be an ABW without Danny Um, Danny has done the most for his podcast out of everyone and sometimes as as humans, humans don't always see eye to eye. You know, there are certain things that, you know, in my outside life, I, I don't like what people do. And like, end of the day, you know, we have a common love, which is Arsenal. Um, but at the same time, personalities clash, you know, and it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things, um, you know, though Danny and Jason not talking, you know, uh, it's, there's not bad blood there. They're just, you know, we're adults and adults sometimes fall out about things. So, just quickly, I want to say thank you to Jason. Jason's done a, a lot of work. And like Danny said, you will definitely hear Jason again on a podcast because Jason is far too good at what he does. Um, to not, for so people not to invite him onto their podcast. You've heard him on other people's podcasts, and he's very good. He's passionate. We talked about Arsenal. We know about his love for uh, Aaron Ramsey. Now he's got to like, finally say, Aaron Ramsey was shit. Now I'm joking. But um, <laughs> it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's one of those things. And, you know, we as a podcast, Danny's made the decision that we will, get, we will grow. We will definitely grow. There'll be You'll see other people. Changes will be made. Everything doesn't need to remain the same. Yeah, I mean, look at this world. This world will never be the same again because this pandemic. Things gotta move on, and there we are.
0: Yeah, your microphone's rubbing on your top. Um, politically, we were com- completely different about stuff. Um, it's not like when Gimley left; nobody liked Gimley. Gimley was a knob. <laughs> no one would say that about Jace. And when you take into consideration the amount of stress and strain it is to do the live shows after every game, come rain or shine. And when you've got – when you say there's a show coming up and you've got one person puts their hand up for whatever reason, people don't get paid – no one gets paid for doing this. You can't expect people to do it. But when you've got one person put your hand up and you've gone – or someone drops out and you've got to stop what you're doing to come and do it. So, uh, yeah, and then plus losing Steve and Dave, that's really – that's had a massive impact on so many of us and and little things like that. So going on next season, we won't be doing live shows after every single game because, quite frankly – who the fuck wants to? It's shit sometimes. Um, actually, I think most of the Premier League games we were doing them for, but some of the, like we were saying about the uh, the Olympiacos game, I think that game didn't start till, we didn't start the show till half past 10 and then just go on. And plus the shows will be half an hour long. They'll start half an hour after the game is finished to try. And because nobody, we're looking at the the analytics of it all. And most of those game those shows, some will be an hour and a half long. You're watching for 17 minutes. And so I think half an hour is a perfect time for a show. Be doing slightly differently. All of us will be hosting it. So, uh, yeah, Pablo, just rewind it and have a listen. So, yeah, thanks to all that lot. But podcasts go on. People move around. Um, You see new people coming on, um, like Nikki and Femi and Richard. uh, They were all people who were listeners, and they got the chance to come on. Never know. It it could be you, dear listener. You might get a chance to come on and, and be horrible to me. So, uh I take it you've got nothing really to say, Nick, as you're new. I'm new, I I'm staying out of it.
2: <laughs> so like Thunder I'm still on trial. I haven't got a contract yet.
0: <laughs> Thunder road says a Ramsey Wonderland in the works. <laughs> you never know. So um yeah, it's a shame when these things happen, but yeah, people uh, don't always get on. Mummies and daddies don't always get on. And uh yeah, that's, that's the podcasting world for you. So we'll carry on. I shall be here until I'm older and greyer and fatter. Um, right, Carl, um, I think we've got gentlemen's nods to do.
1: Um, yes, so my gentleman's nod, we'll go to Jason. Uh, he's now left. Uh, I think he's uh, a great guy, uh, but these things happen. So everyone, if you listen to this, you probably already follow Jason. If you don't, please go and follow him. Uh Felipe Flop I want to say I do I'm ashamed I don't know Jason that's really bad Jason
0: Davies 71 I think it is
1: that's it yeah Jason Davies not Davies Davies 71 pronounce Uh, Davies
0: so don't annoy him he'll come and kill you
1: I know he will but yes give him a follow he's a he's a wonderful person And mashup nod goes to him Nikki, who's your shout out to fuck you daddy not gentlemen's nod shout out
2: Well, that'll be Danny then, because, I mean, he's let me on, which is nice to come on. Oh, yeah, ch- arse oh, licking. Here you go. <laughs> oh,
1: Danny, you're the best, Danny. Oh, lovely, Danny. Friends.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know I've been a bit – sometimes I've been talking too much and not enough, but that's probably because, um, you know, when I'm doing my Twitch channel thing, at Netflix, by the way <laughs> – yeah and um, you know where as I'm streaming for three hours it's just me talking so I've got to keep talking whereas obviously I don't want to talk over you guys for three hours so yeah just cheers to Danny for letting me on come on talk about football
1: Uh, and Daniel who's yours to
2: Wine's going to go to
0: servicemen at Huntingdon. My Volkswagen Sharan has sat there on my driveway since February. hasn't been started. I'd also thank you to Volkswagen. It's a 1999 two litre petrol. hasn't moved since February. Start jump started yesterday first. Started first time. Took it to servicemen in Huntingdon, and it passed the MOT. Didn't need a single bloody thing doing to it. Germans. They don't fuck around when it comes to building cars. But on the other hand, the Merc has been at the carriage for 15 months now. And I've been ringing him and he's not answering the phone. So if you see a nice Mercedes convertible, a a 1994 for sale on eBay, let me know because it could well be mine. I think he's done a runner
1: with my car. Oh, God. (laughs) And that's it. Right. I just want to thank Nicky. Thank you, Nick, for coming on today. Cheers, Carl. Danny, I'm not thanking you because you have to be here. So, yeah Well,
0: thank you for hosting, Carl
1: It's all good good. It's all good Right, and that is the end Um, It's been a weird time in the world It's been a weird season Um, You know, again I just want to say We've lost some people in this world And a lot of people have lost loved ones Due to this uh, pandemic And it's not been a nice time Uh, You know, everyone's gone through Some stuff, but I just want to say that uh, Arsenal won the FA Cup in our worst season. You you can't make that up, can you?
0: We did it for Steve and Dave.
1: Steve passed away a year ago yesterday, by the way. So, Steve and Dave, that's for you. Indeed. So, Danny, press that button. Oh, and just before I go, for the last time this season, hashtag fuck Ellis. As
2: soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get
0: down, dog.